Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, No Bad Dog Army. Happy Wednesday. Beautiful day in upstate New York. And let's see. It's not too warm yet here. But it's getting there. Uh, Appreciate you guys so much. Uh, Really, really love hopping on this podcast. Uh, As you guys know, um, over the years, I've gone months without posting here. But the last year, I've been posting twice a week, sometimes more. So really devoted to help you guys out on all platforms. So I appreciate you guys. This is a wonderful podcast, really short and sweet. Uh, that's why I this is this is great uh, information. It's it's simple and basic, but it's short and sweet. And I think a lot of people are going to benefit from from this. This is this is a dog that doesn't necessarily have any behavioral issues. It's just hey, my dog is friendly and jumps on people when they come over, and my dog reacts fairly to other dogs while we're out. So this is a very concise, clear podcast with a dog owner that's just like, hey, I just need some tune-ups on this. So this is short and sweet, but the conversation is very direct and it flows really nicely. And I know you guys are going to benefit from it. That's why we're putting it out there. And I appreciate you guys listening. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by my friends over at We Feed Raw. As you guys know, I've been feeding raw food now for many, many years. And a lot of people ask me, what do you feed? What do you feed? And it's been hard for me because I Uh, used to have this local farmer that has all their own animals specifically to made for dog nutrition and I couldn't help anybody. I was like, yeah, raw food, but I don't know where you live and whatever. We Feed Raw delivers your specific meal for your specific dog directly to your door. So it's a huge win. Um, I'm happy to partner with them. As you guys know, I don't partner with many people. I partner with some crates and some e-collars. You know, obviously I have my signature series stuff, but this just makes sense. So you guys get 25% off your first order. If you're interested in a raw diet, click the link below. You can learn more about it. Uh, it's something that changed my life with my dogs and a lot of other people. So if you're looking for more nutrition, more health, more benefits to your diet with your dog, click the link to, below to figure out how to do that. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. So if you're listening to this and you're scratching your head and you're like, I wonder what he would think of my dog. Well, Head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review and your question, and I'd be happy to answer it next episode. So stick around to the end because there's more dog training information at the end. Yeah, so reactivity, um, basically listening also when other dogs are around and just jumping on people every once in a while. And that's more like when they come into the house. He's better when we're outside and on a leash. He doesn't really care to jump on other people as much, but when they enter our house and he's um, he's not on a leash, he'll tend to jump. Okay. All right. And what what uh, you do you have a German Shepherd? What's your breed? What's the breed of the dog? It's a Border Collie. Border Collie. And how old? Um, Ish. just over the year mark. <clears throat> okay, so a little over a year yep. Border Collie. Okay, so let's start with the the, the jumping on people when they come in. Is this? Do you feel like this is a this is just a happy, excited, hey, you're here thing mostly? 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. He's very excited. He doesn't do it to me or my husband. It's only other people that come in. Mm. Like for us, nose four feet on the ground. He doesn't get any attention. But when other people come in, it just kind of he doesn't think, I guess, and he just gets so excited that somebody else came over. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So when he's doing this, he's obviously off leash in your house. Okay. Yes. So a couple of things to start off with the, the, the jumping on people is if, so when we talk about different levels of obedience, there's going to be off leash and on leash obedience, which could be um, beginner and then advanced. Maybe you could put it like off leash should be advanced, you know, getting your dog, to listen to you off leashes, uh, it, it's a task only because the dog has to really understand what you're saying at that level. So that's the first thing is I would just start putting the dog on a leash to start to help navigate and guide him through the scenario and what you want him to do, because that's going to be really helpful. Because basically, if you're jumping into an off leash scenario without off leash training, it's like diving into the deep end without knowing how to swim. It is mm-hmm. a obviously a completely different scenario when you can touch the ground because then it really doesn't matter if you know how to swim because you have this leash, if you will, to lean on. And so that's what I would do in the beginning, just like today, if you had people over, that's the easiest thing to start off. Like somebody comes into the house, your dog gets excited, your dog's jumping and so on. That's the first thing you do is just use your leash to control because uh, many people who have these problems or have this problem in particular don't have the off-leash obedience that they need in order to be successful anyway. So that's the first place I would start is putting the dog on a leash. And then there's a couple other splits to that. One of the biggest things in this scenario is obviously telling your guests to ignore your dog as your dog is. So if somebody comes over to the house and, and this is what I call guest management. So if somebody comes over to the house and your dog's excited. That's normal. That's natural. Hey, you're here. Who are you? Do you, can we play? Can we, you know, whatever. And so you just have to make sure that your people coming in, you just tell them like, Hey, just ignore the dog until he calms down. And that's the best way to do that. Because if they're telling the dog to jump up and if they're excited and they're getting the dog revved up, it's going to be really hard. No matter how good your obedience is. It's like telling your kids, no, you can't have candy. And then somebody comes over and says, hey, who wants candy? And you're like, oh, come on. I didn't, you know. So anyway, that's that. Uh, sometimes that's easier said than done because people don't listen, frankly. And also sometimes people come over and announce or you forget or whatever. But when somebody comes in, just say, oh, just ignore him until he calms down. Super simple. Because we see that happen a lot. We just had this client in that was gaslighting her dog so bad. She was... The dog would jump up on her and then she would kiss the dog on the face and talk to the dog and then immediately yell at the dog to get down. <laughs> and the dog was like looking at her like, what? <laughs> so anyway, you just have to make sure if you're telling the dog they can't jump up, but your guests are coming in to say, hey, let's party. That's going to be a challenge, let's say. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay, cool. The other two, there's other, there's two other big things in here. So correcting the dog when he jumps up is, 
I mean, I, I've been working on things like this with these basic lifestyle dog training scenarios. Um, and, and the reality is, is you can counter and you can do all these things, but the reality is, is when that environment steps into your house and brings a certain energy, your dog's state of mind is going to shift and change. So you have to, so what I like to do and what's been most successful for my clients is just popping the leash when the dog jumps up and just saying off. It, it teaches them. I mean, I've, I've seen dogs not jump on people after one or two corrections after they've been jumping for six months. It's that simple and it's that easy of a air quotes fix. And what it does is it just teaches the dog that when they rise up, that that's inappropriate and you're correcting that behavior. So essentially think about it like a scenario with a kid or in this case, obviously a dog. And we're trying to teach the dog that we don't want him to jump. But what a lot of people don't realize is dogs don't understand English. So if you say no, or you say you can't jump, or you have dirty paws, don't jump up, or you're going to knock somebody over, they don't understand any of that. They understand like singular cues that have been conditioned by you. So dogs don't know what a walk is or what a car ride is until you say you want to go for a walk, get the leash, want to go for a walk, get the leash, want to go for a walk, get the leash. And then you say, want to go for a walk? They go, yep, I know what that is. That's on the other side of excitement and more of a reward type of like, yay, this is what's happening. So on the other side of that is the exact opposite of being able to say off, boom. So enforcement. And like I said before, it's a very simple, easy, like very, very effective way to get a dog to understand what uh, you you want the dog to do. And so again, naturally, the dog is going to be excited and stimulating when people come over. So they're going to rise up. And a lot of times dogs will rise up like that to get closer to the human because it just makes it more of a exciting thing, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, so you put your leash on your dog. Somebody comes over. Dog jumps up, you say off, and then enforce it, which would just be a leash pop. And it doesn't really matter what you use. The only thing I know that hasn't worked, or and I'm just the type of trainer that I, I, I just do what works. Like, I don't have this, you know, tribalistic, like, no, 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 no. Like, I just, I'm just giving you the information of what I've seen that's been effective over the years. So over the years, harnesses is one of the only things that has not been effective for any of this type of work. Because it just hangs on to them and it pulls and it doesn't get their attention. And that's really what you want to do when a dog jumps up is just pop, just discourage that behavior with a quick pop. It'd be like if you just put your, you know, turkey dinner on the table and you tell everybody no touch until we sit down and then your 10 year old reaches over and you just kind of slap their hand. Not to hurt them, not to throw them into the next room. It's just like, hey, nope. Almost playfully, like, nope. That's not right. Don't touch it. You got to wait. You got to be patient. It's kind of like the scenario of like leash popping when a dog is jumping up on people. They jump up, pop. Nope. And once the, now the other side to that is, is once they get off, which is likely to happen within one second, then you say good off and then you can reward the dog. So essentially, if you look at the scenario behaviorally from a dog standpoint, what the dog wants to do is get attention from the person. So when a person comes in, and they behave a certain way, say they jump up or they get excited, they do all the things we don't want them to do, and that person rewards them, that's how they're always going to be. That's what they were taught. So if you flip the role and somebody comes in 
and they ignore them and then they get a correction for jumping and then the moment that they are on all fours at the feet of the person then they're getting attention it'll very especially with a border collie because they're so intelligent it'll very quickly translate to oh this is what gets me what i want does that make sense yes over time the objective is we're not trying to take away the dog's uh, willingness or wantingness, I guess, to um, go and see this person and get excited. That's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to teach the dog is what's appropriate and how to greet that person. So the goal is is to be able to use off and the dog jumps off without any leash or any correction or anything. We just want to teach them what off means. Because we're not, again, we're not going to be able to say, we don't want to, and we're not going to be able to say, I don't want you to get excited when somebody comes over. That's never going to happen. And we don't want that to happen. We just want to teach the dog how to behave properly. It's just like manners. It's just like manners, right? You're say, okay, Easter Bunny, uh, Santa Claus is at uh, the mall and you go up with your two kids and they're just excited and they're screaming and they're just can't, they can't handle themselves. And you're not trying to say like, I don't want you guys to be excited about this. You need to stop being excited. That's not what we're trying to do with this dog either. All we're trying to say is, is hey guys, I need you to please be quiet, pay attention. We're going to be patient. We're going to wait in line. We're going to get her picture. There's just like this leadership that you have to have. And typically, it's same thing with human psychology as well, is if there's not some sort of enforcing, yeah, but, then long term, I've just seen this play out day in and day out, it's not going to work. So that's, that's, I mean, you could get that done like within a week if you have people over and it's a really effective way. The other thing on top of that would just be your overall obedience. So this is a little bit more advanced, but you would have your off-leash obedience to a point where you can send your dog away to a place in a stay but that's that's kind of comes after teaching the dog that jumping is bad. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. <clears throat> okay. So that's how you do that. It's um, it's honestly that simple. It, it's I've seen it. I've seen it, like overnight. Dogs are like, oh, okay, can't do that anymore. But I, like I said, I think the hardest thing is the people coming in and them not encouraging your dog to jump up. Because I've seen it where I'm. Like I, I like that client I was telling you about. She's like, oh, should I not be doing this? I'm like, I don't care. It's not my dog. Do whatever you want to do. I don't care. But some people will say that too. They'll come into your house and be like, oh, I don't mind if he jumps. And you're like, yeah, but the next person might. So that's going to be the hardest thing. Sounds good. Mm. Okay. So that's how you would handle jumping. Very easy. Very effective. If you're trying to tackle that off-leash jumping without enforcement, you're essentially just throwing lightning bolts up in the sky, hoping something lands. It doesn't, they don't care about it because there's just no enforcement. There's nothing behind it, right? And when we talk about enforcement, just to be clear, enforcement is essentially like law enforcement, right? So what is a like traditional police officer supposed to do? They're supposed to enforce the laws. So if you go 80 miles per hour in a 30, and they pull you over, they're giving you enforcement for breaking that rule, right? So they're making that rule uncomfortable for you. They're going to give you a ticket. 
uh, you know, there's all this stress involved. Like that's the point of law enforcement. Imagine if we lived in a world where we're like, yeah, no, everybody's just going to listen. And, uh, you know, this just doesn't, yeah, that doesn't work like that. So when, you, when I say enforcement, some people don't understand what that means because there's reinforcement and there's enforcement. So enforcement is that what I was saying is before is like having that cop pull out, put on his lights, pull you over, give you, give you some sort of ticket for breaking that rule. So when your dog jumps up, if you're not writing them that ticket, like, Hey, slow down, slow down. Yeah. Okay. And that's just how your life is. Right. So throughout your whole life, cops are just on the side of the road, just waving at you, telling you to slow down, but that's it. That's their enforcement. So that's over time. You're going to go, well, I'm really busy. I'm, I'm really late today. I don't, you know, everybody's going to be speeding kind of like, Oh yeah, sorry, cop, you know? So you just have to remember that if that enforcement doesn't exist, especially for one of these really easy behaviors to correct, then it's not going to work. So that's how to do it. All right. What's the, what was the, the next thing was like reactivity on the leash. Is that what it was? Yeah. So like my, my dog, he knows how to do a lot of stuff off leash. Like um, when we're outside, I can recall him off of just about anything except for another dog. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's like a bunny goes by it's just when another dog is around I can't recall him he doesn't like to heal because I can heal him um like when we go on a little one of our runs I can heal him for almost the entire five miles except when another dog comes around he's like oh what's that so his ears perk up and then he wants to go say hi or if the other I don't know exactly what sometimes it's a I want to go say hi and then if the other dog barks at him he will actually kind of um, go after the dog a little bit. So, or just like his hackles will go up and, um, yeah, he doesn't like being barked at. I've noticed that with, um, other dogs, if other dogs are barking at his face or barking kind of aggressively, he'll respond back very quickly. Sure. So, So, uh, yeah, so that stuff is normal. Uh, there's nothing you could really do about that. If a dog is barking at him and he gives it right back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. But the, um, so you're saying you're out for a, you're out for a run or a walk, and then you, once your dog sees another dog, he gets too alert or stimulated towards that dog, and then just kind of takes off or um or a little bit. He's been getting a little better, so we've been we've been working on the reactivity. So he's been getting better, but he'll still kind of bounce. And then if the dog gets a little too when it gets really close, because if we're going on the same sidewalk, then he'll kind of um, veer that way a little bit more. I have to just kind of keep running and pick up my pace so that he's like, Oh, we're still going. Mm. But um, I don't know if there's like any tricks to like kind of getting him a little bit more neutral to the environment or anything you can tell me there. Yes. So neutrality comes from uh, a couple different variables. Like first of all, you have to be neutral. Like you have to be calm. You have to be giving him all the signals to be like, Hey, this isn't a big deal. Because that's what people do is like, I want my dog to be calm and neutral, but they're freaking out. They're talking to their dog. It's okay. It's okay, buddy. It's just a dog. It's just a dog on a walk. It's okay. The dog's not going to come up to us. You're okay. You're fine. And then of course, terrible, like the worst thing you could do to anything, right? It's like, even with people, like out of context, you're just waiting in line and somebody starts saying that to you. You're going to freak out. You're like, what's wrong? Like, what is it going to happen right now? So that's one thing. The other variable is the other dog. So if you are out for like, I always give people example with me and my dog, if I'm out for a walk with my dog 
and this happens all the time, but if there's another dog reacting to us, I just put my dog into a heel and I move on. But I don't, like if that dog got close, I would never expect my dog not to engage and protect herself. If a dog ran up to us, I would never expect my dog to, I would try everything I could to keep everyone safe, but I would never be upset about my training or my dog if she reacted. That's just natural instinct. That There's nothing you could do about that. But if you're out for a walk and you see other dogs and they're on leash or they're far away or they're behind a fence, these are all, excuse me, these are all things that you can work on, but it, it comes down to your, you know, your overall training. So why don't you walk me through what happens? So give me a scenario, like walk me through a scenario that you see all the time that you're frustrated with, and then we'll go from there. Um, so on one of our runs, there's a almost consistent um, boxer. He's behind a fence. It's a, um, it's like one of those kind of, I want to say playground fences. So you like, you can see through the fence entirely. It's wire and everything. Um, but we, when we run by, um, the dog will kind of run with us and it's a, it's a really large stretch of land. So he's running next to us and my dog will, um, kind of jump in front of me a little bit, not like in a protective way. He's not, I don't, at least I don't believe it's a protective way. And he'll try to engage with the boxer and, um, he'll start barking and, um, yeah, so I just don't know, like there's a, there's a fence in between there. So I'm not sure exactly like how to communicate to him. Like he's not coming to us, dude. So what do you, I'll tell yeah, go ahead. And I'll, sorry, um, I'll tell him to leave it or I'll like pop the collar or I'll let him know, Hey, heal. So he kind of understands what he's supposed to be doing. And so I'll, of course I'll say heal and then pop the collar, but, um, I'll just try to get him back into the heel and he'll like do that for a couple steps and then he'll do a little jump in front a little bit again and then he'll come back to my side and then as I say heel again so he doesn't have like that understanding that he's supposed to stay in heel when another dog's around I guess mm. is probably the best it. yeah it could be or or that's just a heavy distraction for him and it's hard for him to pass that test which is likely in common just like anything else, like you teach a dog how to sit and stay inside your house and they know it and they get it. You've been doing it for a week. Got it. Check. You go outside, you sit and stay and you throw a ball and they get up or they see a squirrel or they see another dog or they see a kid running around making noises. They get up. So that's more, I know what I'm supposed to do, but this distraction's too much for me. So it's part of it is likely uh, that that just happens often is the obedience is just a little, it pushes past what you're capable of or what you're trained for. And you fail just like anything else, literally anything else, like a bus mechanic to an astronaut, to a chef. Like if you give them something that they've never been trained in, they will fail. And that's what, and it's interesting because a lot of dog owners, I would say 90% of my clients, that is their problem. And it's so clear for me to see that that's the problem is you're throwing a, you know, a, a chef uh, that just got off the line at McDonald's into a Michelin star sh kitchen in Manhattan and they're failing. And you're like, what the hell? What's wrong with you? Don't you know how to do this? Don't you know how to cook? It's like, that's a, this is a different, this is a different restaurant, you know? So it's, it's the same thing when you're, so it could be that he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing, but it also just could be that this is too much for him. And also 
if it's a startled, like if you're out for a run and a dog just starts going crazy at an, at a fence that you can see through, it is challenging for dogs to understand like the fences and their, them being like withheld. They just see another dog that's barking at him and you, which obviously is going to turn him into like this fighty dog for a minute, especially from a border collie. They're pretty uh, confident dogs, I would say. So they're not going to just run away. They're going to be like, yeah, man, you want some of this? Let's go. And then you're going to say, hey, knock it off. And he's going to say, oh, sorry. And so I think that's what you're probably seeing is just you out for a run or walk. Dog loses his mind out of nowhere. And then you're like, oh, and then your dog's like, what the hell? Who's this? And then it just kind of, you know, you, you snap your dog back into place. You say, come on, let's go. And then your dog's, okay, sorry. So that to me isn't as big of a deal behaviorally. It, it makes sense to me. But the only way to really, because this is more of a almost like a fight or flight thing, this isn't like, hey, every dog that, well, from what you've told me so far anyway, every dog that we see out on a walk, my dog loses their mind. Because if that's the consistency, that's different. But if it's in the context of, what you're saying, it's more of like a fight or flight ordeal. And everything that you're doing right now is good. The only other way to really make that reactivity lessen is to spend time at that area with that dog. That's the best thing to do. Only because it's a trigger and those triggers are hard to replicate especially when you're training by yourself because you can't really. And that's, that's kind of the frustrating thing with dog owners in these levels is you can't rep, you can't recreate that. So that's what I would do is got that house and you got that dog. I would walk close to that dog, walk away from that dog, walk halfway through that dog's yard, walk out. And I would just kind of work in that spot. And I know that that's maybe stressful, and you don't have to do it all at once and you don't have to do it for a long time. But if that's one of the biggest like triggers or um, situations, I guess, that you're struggling with, with that particular dog under that context, then that's how I would deal with that is I would just break into those scenarios and break out and break in and break out and break in and break out. So that way your dog is desensitized to it and you practice how to handle that. Okay. So is there like, um, other than being around the trigger, any ways for him to get a little bit like, how do I phrase this? <laughs> like, um, cause he gets, obviously he gets excited about every dog that goes by, whether he's a little more reactive or just, he's like, Oh, I want to say hi to this dog. Um, what are some of like the best ways to kind of get him a little bit more neutral? Like if mm. we were to, for example, if we were to go around the park, like, again, I'm usually running, so and other people are usually walking, so we go past the triggers pretty quickly. Um, but he's kind of, um, he's very interested in everything that kind of goes by with other dogs. So is there, like, um, so he'll kind of sometimes stop or he'll go a little bit more in front of me if the dog's more in front. Um, yeah, until, like, the other dog barks at him, he doesn't get aggressive or his hackles don't go up or anything, but when um is there a way to like make him a little bit more neutral at those parks because i've 
I've seen what's like what some people do is like they sit on the bench and then just have their dog in a sit or a down next to them just so like they can get used to the dogs just circling around. Is that something to consider or is is that not the best training? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be for sure. Desensitizing your dog to these environments to build confidence is a great way to do just that for sure. If you want your dog to get more confidence around other dogs in the park or out for walks, that's what you would do is you just go hang out in an area where your dog can, ooh, there's a dog, yay, good experience. Ooh, there's a dog, yay, good experience, so on and so forth. That is a great opportunity to do that. But the only challenge that people will find, unfortunately, is the other dog is the variable that you can't control. So some people will get kind of frustrated with that because – You'll be sitting at that park bench, one dog goes by, good experience, second dog goes by, good experience, third dog goes by, and then freaks out at your dog, and then your dog freaks out. So that's the only downfall to doing those public things. So you have to have your head in a swivel and judge each character and personality as they approach or as they get near of what is it going to – it's just like influ – it's influence is what it is. So what, what influence do – like – Again, like I just talk about human psychology because it's easy for people to understand if I say it like that. But if you wanted somebody to influence you in a positive way, like you do with your dog, you have to find good influences, right? But if you find a bad influence and it's like, okay, this is the opposite of what I wanted. So you just have to have, when, again, you're going to the public pool essentially. So you just have to have your head in a swivel to make sure that these dogs are actually going to help you build confidence and not do the opposite. So that's totally... And that's why you were saying it, I think earlier you were kind of leaning towards, you do, you know, you find, you, you search on Google and you're going to get a hundred different answers on how to do it. And, uh, and I totally understand that. That's just, but, but, and the reason that is, is because there's so many different like splitting hairs that you'll do with dogs that that's why I just, you know, try to make it as useful and easy as possible for understand. Uh, so yeah, that you could do it. Sure. But if you do get a bunch of those reactive dogs and that's where you'll get somebody on that blog or that video that says like, never do this because of this. But then I can also tell you that you could do that really nicely and it would be good if you had a bunch of good influence. So you have to just make sure that you're almost advocating for your dog's space and making sure that these people and these dogs that are walking by are going to be positive experiences for your dog. Um, but I think from what you're telling me, your dog really only gets fired up when another dog gets fired up at him. And that's, that's nothing to be stumped by, or, I mean, it could be frustrating for sure, but at the same time, totally normal. Like, you know, you're walking down the street, somebody starts screaming at you and you scream back. Like that's a normal thing. That's just, you're like, what, 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 what did I do? What are you talking about? Who are you? I don't, I don't know. You know? So, yeah. So, but, but again, like you have to ultimately have that control to be able to reel your dog back in. And I think, I think it's a blend of your obedience as well. So just making sure you're putting your dog into, again, a kitchen that they're prepared to be successful in. Don't overwhelm them. Don't try to put them into a situation that they're going to fail in because that'll be frustrating for everybody. So just making sure that when you're handling your dog and there's like, let's say there's a dog in front of you and your healing isn't as good as it needs to be to have a dog directly. Cause that's like a really, you know, 
tight heel, uh, a very understood heel, very understood of the assignment heel, where you have a dog that's next to you and there's a dog in front of you and your dog needs to walk in slow motion next to you and not engage with that dog. Totally possible, totally fair to do. Although it's not going to come out of the gate. That's again, like that's put in a really high class, fancy, fast moving restaurant. And you have to make sure that you are able to move up to that point. So I think that that's the other thing too, is it's not as it's not like teaching a dog heel is not universal at all. It's not a, I, my dog learned heel in my backyard. Therefore, when there's a random dog in front of us at a park with other dogs, they should heal. It's not, that's not how it works. So you also just have to audit how well your heel is and how many environments have you put your dog in that are, you know, similar to this. Um, kind of happens quite often because um, I live in Houston. I've never a lot of people live with who live in Houston have dogs and a lot of them actually bark and all of that at him. So it's like, yeah. if I go down either way, like within a few houses, there's another dog that has um, by the fence. So, I mean, we encounter the situation a little, like pretty often. And I mean, if there's a wooden fence, we've actually made a lot of progress with sure. him just staying inside. Um, it's just with like, it's, and I know it's going to take time because we've been working on it for a little bit, but like if there's a wood fence and the dog's barking and some of them are really aggressive and have broken a little bit of some of the wood, but, um, beyond that, he's been able to be in a heel, like with, um, with the wood fences there that he can't see through. So I, I think honestly, it's just maybe a little more something that he needs to work out with the chain and maybe do distance before getting a little bit closer. But yeah, I wanted to just um, see if you had any other little tips and tricks and stuff like that, um, which I got and I appreciate that a lot. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I would say too, when you're the other, so there's a, so outside of obedience and correcting the dog for misbehaving and acting a certain way, there's also like handling that that comes into play that can really help you be successful. So if you're, let's say the dog is on your left side and the fence and the other dog are on your right side and you're just walking down the sidewalk or the street. And as you're walking, that dog is there and it's barking or it's huffing and puffing and it's, it's stimulating your dog. There's also a lot of handling that you can do to pull the dog's attention towards you instead of the other dog. So... If you're just trying to cruise through that, or in your case, run through that, literally, it's going to be challenging for your dog to also understand that picture and what it is. They're just, there's like this scary house and you just run by it and you just, you don't, the dog doesn't have an opportunity to digest that information, to build confidence around it because it's so quick. So the other thing that you could do is just do some handling exercises around that distraction. So if your dog is on your left side and you're walking and the dog is on your right in the fence... You could do an inside turn where you directly turn right inside the dog and you walk a little bit and you just, you know, spend five minutes working on your pay attention to me, pay attention to me handling to get the dog's attention towards you. And then that background noise of that dog reacting will subside because that's a semi-controlled environment. You know that the dog isn't going to leave that space, but you can't control how they're, how they're reacting, you know? So that's another thing too. I, like I said before, like a lot of my out-of-state clients from a lot of, so I say out-of-state clients, I don't, I only work with like a particular group of clients a month. And so 
when they come in, they don't have good obedience, but they have a huge behavioral problem. And so I just had a group that had that. They all of them had, you know, kind of bad reactivity, but they 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 couldn't get their dog to do anything. Nothing. Couldn't sit. Couldn't heal. Nothing. So it was like this really big project. Every single dog. And so my point is, is I, I, yes, there was some correcting of behavior and some counter conditioning with obedience. But the other thing was, is there were situations that I'm like, you just have to handle to avoid this situation. You have to manage this with handling to decrease the reactivity to help build confidence. So that's the other thing too, is it's not a binary thing where you either walk through and your dog reacts and you correct them or you walk through and they don't and you reward them. There's also let's soak in this area by doing something structurally and doing something that's actually beneficial to help not only get the dog's attention on you in that scenario, but also build confidence around this other dog. So that is another big piece too. It's not that, you know, that is helpful. So yeah. All right. Cool. Any other questions on any of that stuff? Um, no, I think I'm good there. Okay. Is there any other questions you had in general? Um, actually, no, that's just about it. Um, he does for the most part, like me, me and my husband kind of joke that he's like just about the perfect dog. Those are the only two things we need to fix. <laughs> okay. Cause cool. he really well. We, we've been training him on the remote caller. Been watching a lot of your videos for that. Cool. And yeah, so he's he's been doing really well. I keep looking over here because he's sleeping like right there. But cool. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Sweet. All right. Well, it was nice to meet you and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. And I really do appreciate you meeting with me. And I really do love your videos. Oh. They've helped me a lot with little guy. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. That's why we put them out there for people like you that just are scratching your head like, what the hell do we do here? So I'm glad that you enjoy them. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to be answering three of your questions. This comes from D Jones, 80305 star review. Awesome podcast. Uh, hi, Tom. I've been, you have been a really great help to me uh, with your podcast and YouTube channel before I got my Rottweiler puppy. He's eight months old, and I watched everything you had with Rottweiler puppies or Rottweilers in general. It has been a great tool for my puppy's learning experience. He is. Very people-friendly, loves to play with other dogs, and food-friendly. He knows the basics very well. However, he has been chasing the cats, and we have been using place command for this. He also has been demand barking once he is bored. He also gets overly excited when guests come over jumping. Well, this episode will help for sure. Is there anything else I can do to lessen these behaviors? Well, the jumping we just talked about in this podcast. Chasing of the cats, again, like we talk about in a lot of podcasts, is you're not going to be able to stop him from chasing the cats. The only thing you can do is have that off-leash control. And if it's serious enough where it's like, you know, ruining your vibe in your house, then I would uh, highly suggest doing off-leash training with the remote collar to discourage it altogether. Um, and then the demand barking is one of those things that dogs only learn how to do. So if a dog barks at you and you look at them, uh, that's typically how that works. So you just have to be really mindful and cautious that uh, you're not teaching your dog something that you don't want to happen. And sometimes dogs... We'll bark and then we'll look at him and say, hey, knock it off or hush. And that obviously does the exact opposite. So you have to be very careful about that. Um, yeah. 
So hope that helps. All right, next uh, next uh, question comes from Rachel Nell. Keep them coming. Love your knowledge. Five-star review. I can't get enough of your content. I pass along your name to everyone I know at the dog. Thank you. I've been working with my two dogs on the response to someone in our yard and someone at our door. When I'm at home in the house, we've made such good progress with obedience. I can send them to their place and I get to the door. However, I'm not. if I'm not in the house, uh, these incidents, incidences can happen. I can hear them go berserk and jump at the door until subject is gone. Is there a way to work on this or just keep? Yeah, that's a great question. So the reality is, is if you're not home to kind of guide them. So this is one of those fish not swimming things. Somebody comes to the door. When you're doing that obedience with your dogs and they're barking and they're, the mailman's there, the Amazon driver's there, they're like, hey, somebody's at the door. What do we do? Like your response is management because you're not going to be able to say, Hey, don't care. Somebody's at the front door, guys, go lay down. Like, no, that's, that's dogs are going to be like, yo, there's somebody here. What do we do? Uh, so you're not going to be able to tell them what they can't do in that situation. However, uh, so, so I just want to point that out that that's, that's, that's why you're struggling with it. So that's why when you're home and your dog's like, Hey, somebody's here, what do we do? And you're like, go lay down. They're like, okay, got it. Like, that's beautiful. That's exactly what you would want. So outside of that, um, the only way to really work on that is discourage the behavior outside with a remote collar. Um, but that it takes a huge learning curve on how to introduce it and how to use it properly. So my suggestion, if you're interested in that, is check out my free YouTube videos on e-collar introduction. And I also have a course on how to introduce the remote collar as well that I think will be really helpful for you. So um, yeah, that's about the only way that I would think of to really get that under control realistic again i'm i'm realistic with you guys i'm not going to give you like oh well you could not no that's realistically i don't want to waste your time that's probably the best way to get going on that uh okay next one comes this is kind of a long one so bear with me here keeks and kalini five-month-old Catahoula. Hey, Tom, first and foremost, I absolutely love your content and appreciate everything. The parallels you make with horse training are brilliant and extremely useful. An example, I got a Labahoula pup when she was 12 weeks old, and since day one she came home, I utilized all your tips and suggestions as well as completed your No Bad Dog Kickstarter course. She listens well and heals amazingly and knows most boundaries and thresholds, and I'm beginning to set training with her as a uh, and, her, and a trainer. I'm a huge believer in accountability aspect and I do utilize the prong collar on her. She has the correct size and fit a prong collar and I use it to give her a pop and a brief correction when she's attentive to sensitive barking. My question is regarding her alert barking or stranger barking. Um, when loose leash walking with me in a heel, she is confident and quiet p- passing other dogs and people. However, when she's on a 30 foot long line playing outside in the grass near our apartment, because I don't have a fenced-in area, when she sees a person or a person plus a dog across the street somewhat far away, she will bark several times, which is either is a deeper alert bark or panicked howl almost. She has done this with other people as well as when I wasn't present. I wanted to see if there was a variable. Once the person walks up and close to her, she's happy and wants to meet them and to correct the protect, the protective alert barking, I have tried giving her a different job, such as healing or sitting, directional changes, accompanied by a pop and a prong collar, and she ignores me and continues barking. I have tried holding a squeaky toy as well as her attention before giving her a task and before she can lock on to whoever. I am wondering if I could continue trying to correct it, try something different altogether, or she is not going through an insecure phase. I'm not sure 
if I should ignore her and stay completely calm and confident or try to correct her so the issue doesn't escalate. The corrections either are ignored or she becomes very submissive but keeps barking. I know Catahoulas can be protective. Um, I've been heavily reinforcing when she doesn't bark in those situations and making sure that she knows that she is doing a great job despite the strangers walking by. Um, so I've seen dogs do this where it becomes a very fearful very fearful like barking and the corrections because the correction because it's such a fearful thing and it's like some dogs will will there's different levels of fear as you guys know so some dogs will be like this is this is what it sounds like we're under attack um we have to do something about this or else and that's what you're probably dealing with so you should probably there's two things like listen if you're really really struggling with this and you're really having a hard time with this um, the pager on the remote caller can be useful because your objective right now, and I, and I had a conversation with somebody yesterday on my way home, um, another online. Um, and she was saying like, you know, I read on the internet and I, and there's all this shit right out there. And it's like, is correcting a fearful dog going to make things worse? It could a hundred percent. Absolutely. Sure. It could. So garbage can stink and garbage can't stink too. So it's like, it's, it's depends on who you ask. And, and it depends on the scenario. So you you have to make sure – I said garbage because the garbage truck in front of me. <laughs> but it's true. So you just have to make sure that when you're working with a fearful dog, you have to understand the different levels of the fear and where it's coming from and what it means. And so if you have a dog that is like, oh, crap, what do we do? There's somebody here. I can't handle this. You're – like you want to be able to get the dog on a level where they can process things. If they're so – uh, overly stimulated and they can't think and they're just peaking with this overstimulation. They can't handle the situation and they're never going to get better. So sometimes if you use like a pager, so the dog goes, oh God, and then the dog says, what the hell is that? And the person that they were just, oh God, is still standing in front of them. That is your really quick opportunity to say, yes, good, leave it. And then the person's still there. The person's still there. You do a drawback, you go towards that person, you draw back and you incrementally. So Sometimes dogs will go like I'm thinking of like a RPM gauge, right? Like a like a speedometer, if you will. Some dogs will be like nothing, and then all of a sudden they see something right to the end, and they're sitting there. So you just have to make sure that you're like, hey, stop, like stop. You need to bring that needle back down to zero so you can get the dog to think. So if you do obedience and you do other forms of corrections that the dog doesn't care about, that's why the dog is barking through these things. So the RPM is just leave it. So that's why the beautiful pager works. It doesn't cause the dog harm or pain by any means ever. And then what you can do is it definitely is an aversive and punitive to the dog because they don't like it. It's discouraging. But then in that really quick opportunity, you have an opportunity to teach the dog like, yes, good, leave it, good. Oh, and that person isn't scary. You're good. You're still alive. And you're, you know, that's how you would do that. Um, That's my suggestion because I just like, and, and then alternatively to that is just body blocking, like you start walking forward, your dog starts getting suspicious, inside turn, boom, move the dog away. Wherever the head goes, the mind will follow. Uh, and you can do that in conjunction with the e-collar to start to blend these things in. So you have to get closer. Like all of a sudden, again, the dog red lines, nope, leave it. Nope, leave it. Like we're good. And um, that's really, really helpful. So uh, I hope that helps. Um, I think that that would be my suggestion to you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Appreciate you a lot. And I'll talk to you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.